Friends, let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. So how many of you, more often than not, awake in the morning before the sunrise? How, how many? Show of hands. How many of you are early risers? Wow! And there's some of you who are lying because then you saw half of the people and you're like, I guess I should put my hand up. That's fine. No judgment on my part. But I do have a few days where I am up before the crack of dawn. Sundays are one of those days. Um, Thursdays are one of those days. A couple others during the week. And you would think by now, having lived in my house for over a year, that I'd actually know the path that I'm supposed to start in the morning before sunrise. You would think that I was no longer going to struggle with navigating in my bedroom. I mean, the bed hasn't moved. The nightstand hasn't moved. Everything is where it's been for a little over a year. And yet, in the morning, I still struggle to go from my bed into the bathroom to start my day. Because even still, as all things go, there are things, and I imagine it's the same for you, there are things that get littered along the way. It's never just a straight line in my household. You know, sometime in the middle of the night, one of my kids decided that they didn't want to sleep in their own bedroom anymore, and so now they're snuggled up on the floor. I mean, at this point, it's just almost an automatic that I got to step lightly so don't step on one of my children. Some, sometimes, not every day, Abe says, so. but enough that I'm careful, right? Certainly, I have what I like to call my floor drobe. I don't know if any of you have a floor drobe. You know, it's just the clothes that just happen to find their way to the floor, and, and next day comes, I, listen, you, you, I don't need to wash my chinos every day, and you know, so long as I gently drape them on the floor, they're great to be picked up. In fact, this, is, this outfit, fine half specimen of my floor drobe today, to be honest with you. Um, and you know, that floor drobe does not move in the middle of the night. So when I wake up in the morning, chances are it could be a hazard between me and the bathroom. And I, I suppose as my bleary eyes begin to focus, I could certainly make contours out along the way. My feet would feel children or they would feel clothing. The pain of bumping into something would be an indication. But in the end, I'm not sure that that's ever the best approach. To do that would be a greater risk if I miscalculate. I would prefer to never be in a position where you hear from the office that Adam Anderson has been involved in an accident because he didn't, he stumbled around in the dark, slipped, fell on his floor drobe, and he's hit his head against the nightstand. Like that, I mean, I'd want you to be concerned, but I'd also be terribly embarrassed that I'd be like, no, don't come see me. I, I, I should have should have gotten rid of my floor drobe. You know, you could seriously injure yourself if you miscalculate your stumbling around your bedroom at night, right? I won't ask a show of hands to find out how many of you have done that, because I do want to preserve your integrity. But suffice it to say, I imagine that might have happened to a couple of you once or twice. So the better option, it seems to me, instead of stubbornly walking in the dark as if I have something to prove to myself, is that I get my phone out, 
Got an iPhone, I slide, got the toolbox there, and I just turn on my flashlight. Right? That little light, even if it's imperfectly lit, is enough for me. I'd say for most of us. Right? Now, part of it on Sunday morning is like, you know, the rest of my family does not want to get up at 4.30 in the morning to come to church. So I have to be a little discreet with my lighting of my path. But it's just enough to get me where I need to go and not hit a kid, not trip on some clothing. Uh, and it gets me started where I can go take a shower, get my teeth brushed, get dressed, grab all my things, and head out. But everything is a little easier when I have it illumined. And of course, today, we're talking about light, and we're talking about salt. And over the course of this week, I can't help but notice how many folks in this world, and honestly, right around our corner, seem to be stubbornly walking into familiar places into the dark. I mean, last week, I, I did make mention, although partially directly, partially indirectly, but certainly my mind has continued to stay on First Baptist Church downtown, and I have talked to friends. I even met with Heath Lambert, the pastor of First Baptist, on Thursday. Um, but I couldn't help but continue to feel the reverberations of pain for people who so often been told that they are not welcome into a community of believers as they are. And those have been conversations I have had far too often in the last week. I'm also mindful that some of our partners in our Flourishing Together series, like One Jacks and the Interfaith Council of Northeast Florida, are potentially having their funding threatened, and that hurts me a little bit. Did you know that there were 52 mass shootings in the United States in January? Of course, we can't ignore that people are being killed for offenses that aren't capital offenses. Traffic stops. People are dying. And have you seen the mayoral ads this week? I mean, my goodness. It's like we have a world of people stubbornly getting out of their bed and wandering around in the dark, trying to start their days. <laughs> and what's so odd about it is it is semi-familiar territory, but it's just like folks just are making a point to constantly inflict wounds on themselves and others. That's so strange. And of course, we all respond differently to watching this happen. Some of us might be apt to just say, you know what, I'm going to stay in bed this morning. Those five or six of you that were brave enough to say you don't get up before sunrise, you know, that's an approach to all of this, watching people stumble around in the dark. I'm just going to pull the covers back over my head, and I'm going to wait till the sun comes through. I'm going to wait till somebody else wakes up and turns on a light. I'm going to wait till Jesus comes back, and then things will be okay. But really, what kind of life is that? Save the occasional Saturday morning where you're excited to finally sleep in. A life just lived with the covers over your head seems awful bland and generic. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to be known as the guy who never gets out of bed because other people are stumbling around. Or, and certainly this has been my instinct over the last week or two, is that we're going to get up and rebuke the wanderers. You guys are fools. Stop hurting yourself. Why are you being so dumb about this? 
This is ridiculous. Do you, do you know you've kicked your kid six times? That's, that's just turn on a light. You're hurting yourself, you're hurting others in the process. But here's the problem I've realized, is that often in the hurried move to get up and rebuke, to go get into the brawl, well, you tend to forget your own light. And then, not only are those who are stubbornly wandering still not helped, but now we're wrestling with someone in the dark. And I don't have a whole lot of experience of wrestling people in the dark, but my feeling is if I can't even get out of my bed safely and walk slowly, it is not going to be a safe experience to try to wrestle somebody in the dark, trying to convince them that they have to stop doing it. And I can't tell you, because folks in the office have nicknamed me Bulldog. Alice Mickles has nicknamed me Bulldog because she knows if I think something is being, if, the, if somebody or some company or some organization is going to hurt the church, the Bulldog comes out. And I was ready this week to jump into the darkness as a Bulldog and say, hey, stop hurting people. Come on. I want to take everybody. I want to take everybody to task. So I'm just done with people being jerks with each other. I'm just over it. But I also didn't want to wander back into the darkness again. So I think the text today offers us a third option. Our task is to be light. You know, there are clear paths that can move us on our way that can be illumined. Think about this passage in Isaiah and the way Eugene Peterson puts it. To all appearances, to all appearances, the people of God were just right, upstanding people, doing the right things at the right times. But then God says, do do, do you know what's really happening? Y'all fight. You pack a mean punch to each other. And then you wonder why I'm not there. You wonder why you're still stumbling in the dark. Is God really after some showy piety and wandering in the darkness? No, not at all. The light that is required. And interestingly enough, at the end of the passage there in Isaiah, you hear your lives will suddenly be bright. There will be light again. You will be out of the shadows. What does it require? It requires breaking the chains of injustice getting rid of exploitation in the workplace, freeing the oppressed, and canceling debts, sharing food with the hungry, inviting the homeless into your homes, covering those who are ill-clad, and interestingly enough, also being available to your families, which probably merits its own conversation later of, why is this the end of that? But you're available to your community. And when you do that, God says you are light. Again, every time I go back to these texts in the last couple months, I just say, I wish more churches would do that. I wish that First Baptist was more known for doing this than what they're doing now. 
I certainly want to, as South Jacksonville Presbyterian Church, be more known for this than anything else. When you do these things that Isaiah is saying, I'm not making it up, it's not some goofy translation, this is what the Bible is telling us, then the light comes on. So if we take these texts at their word, the cell phone flashlight that gets us out of the darkness is doing well by the people whose society has deemed irredeemable. The ones who are unwelcome for membership, perhaps. That maybe diversity, inclusion, and equity are God's illuminating path, ironically. And here, here, can I just tell you, just as an aside, I didn't write this. This is sometimes the hardest part when we got to dig into these texts. Because it would make you think, you know, here's another political pastor just talking politics. I can only promise you in my heart that this isn't politics for me. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care who runs. What I do care about is what Isaiah is telling us to do. And if it so happens to go crosswise of a politician, then so be it. But please hear me, dear brothers and sisters. It's, it's not, I'm not trying to be political. I'm trying to be biblical. And Jesus makes it clear, by the way, that he's not here to abolish these edicts from either the law or the prophets. Isaiah is one of the prophets. No, Jesus is always going to remind us that he is going to double down on it with the veracity of the most dedicated scribes. And as we unfold this next week, we see he really is going to keep doubling down on us. He's going to keep saying, it's great that you follow that law. You know, what if you went one step further? What if you pushed the envelope and what you believed just a little bit further? But here's where the beauty is, and here's where the gospel is. This is the good news of this text. The world that Jesus is framing for us, this God's commonwealth, this kingdom of heaven, it is brilliant. It is abundant and it is well-seasoned. It is the sunlight filtering through our bedroom windows with the birds singing, good morning, good morning to you, with the temperature of the shower being just right, your clothes perfectly pressed, everything beautiful as it should be. It is a vision so grand that it can truly only be a God-sized plan. And yet here, now, and today, it is here. Letting our light shine and showing it to the world. When we talk about God's inbreaking, that's what we're talking about. If you wonder where God is, if you feel like I don't see God, if you wonder how do I tell people about God, well, go back to Isaiah 58 and ask yourself if you're doing those things, because apparently, if we do it, God's light will be there. So I wonder how we commit to this. You know, every week that we've done this, We've done the series. I've sort of ended. Like, how do we commit to it? Well, I think the first thing is we can't stay in bed much as we'd like to. 
easy to say. You know what? I just uh, don't need to get up this morning. I don't need to contend with the world. I don't, I don't think we can stay in bed, but we can't fight in the dark either. Because I'm convinced it really just hurts everybody in the end if all we do is fight in the dark like everyone else. Instead, I think it should just be an open invitation to action. And it needs to start within our hearts every day. When you came here this morning, did you say to yourself, I, I'm trying to come in here as a group source of light with the intent of doing all I can to care for those who are on the margins of this world? Yeah, I, knowing I was going to preach this, right, I, I, I focused on that this week. I prayed that I would come in here today with that sense of purpose. Do you know what it does? It like almost moves me to tears. Because I think about people who just want a simple light shined on them so that they know how to get moving where they want to go. When, when we give to the church our time, our talent, our, our treasure, do we, do we give for structural reasons? Do we give out of obligation? Or conversely, when, when we don't give, our time, our talent, and treasure? Do we not give for structural reasons? Or do we seek to break the chains of injustice? In the end, dear siblings in Christ, there are so many things we can do both stumbling in the dark or being in the light. What matters is what our hearts collectively decide. So as for me, I'm just one guy, I'm not going to fight in the dark. I'm not going to play a game of wit battling, persuasion. No, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn my attention back to the people who are hurt. Back to the people who are being told that there is not a home for them otherwise. And I'm going to try to be a light for them. Because there, I'd like to think as opposed to anywhere else in the news lately, that's where I'll find Jesus again. And heaven knows, we could use a little bit more of Jesus' visibility in our lives. What are you going to decide today? The light is waiting. Thanks be to God.